supper. Let's go! Welcome, friends in the room. Friends in Houston, Texas, Northwest Arkansas, in Boise, Idaho, Cincinnati, Ohio, Tulsa, Scottsdale, Arizona, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, wherever you're joining us. And for the very first time tonight, North Houston at Champions Forest, so Porch Live North Houston. We are kicking the series off, Hot Take Summer, where we are going to look at some hot takes from God's Word a hot take is something that, you know, you throw out there that you would say, man, I'm just spitting facts, but uh, there's a lot of people that may have uh, see it as a hot take as though it's not the consensus of the world or of maybe even most people. Let me give a couple hot takes that I would say are for me personally. Hot take, Michael Jordan is without question, undeniably, uncontroversibly, that's not a word, <laughs> the greatest basketball player of all time. <clears throat> Hot take number two, McDonald's is delicious. I don't care what you say, it's amazing. <clears throat> and if you're saying, ooh, it's, you, if you knew that you could lose weight and eat there every meal, you would eat there, fact. Hot take, this one's gonna sting a little bit. Cheerleading is not a sport, okay? Just saying, that's in my Bible. Uh, hot take. A meal, a meal without meat is not a meal that is a snack. <laughs> Man, this, okay, hot take. Iced coffee is the only way to drink coffee. Man, these are not hot takes at all. So at home. Hot take. The show Friends is overrated. Wow. <laughs> Good night, everybody! Man, you guys on another level tonight. Hot take, Whataburger is better than In-N-Out. Hot take, Texas is in fact, sorry everyone tuning in from everywhere else, the greatest state in America. And hot take, some of you don't come to the porch to hear about Jesus. You come to look for a spouse. Right? Just calling it like it is. All right. Tonight, we are going to look at another hot take. And it's one of the more unusual topics that we have covered, but God's word talks about it. And we think it's an appropriate and an important one, especially as we kick off summer. And that is this. Hot take. Modest isn't hottest, but it's better. Hot take, modest isn't hottest, but it's better. If you grew up like me in church or you grew up around the church, you may have heard phrases or even honestly outside of the church where people are like uh, in an environment where, you know, it's a co-ed pool party, junior high, mom comes up, remember ladies, modest is hottest. Or you were at a youth group event, summer camp someday, and somebody came up and the wardrobe was like, and let's all remember, modest is hottest. In the back of your mind, everybody went, <laughs> no, it's not, no, 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 it's definitely not. And that's because it's not. In other words, modesty and dressing modestly is not 
always as hot, if you will, especially in terms of how culture uses it, and anybody who says that it is, is just kind of kidding themselves, but it is better. And so we're going to look at what God's Word has to say about this subject, because it's a really important one. And candidly, it's a, it's a topic that there are so many different mixed messages that come in so many ways that I think even as Christians, our thinking has been impacted and influenced more by what the world says as it relates to how you dress, as it relates to the way that you look, as it relates to what's okay and what's not, that are robbing some of us of who Christ is calling us to be. I think the topic tonight is directly related, candidly, to who some of you are gonna marry, because you're gonna get this right. And as you're gonna see, it, it matters a lot, and it is directly connected to the type of relationship that you have, the type of person you're gonna end up marrying. So we're gonna look at why modest, although it may not be hottest, it is better. But first, I'm gonna set up, hey, even what modesty is. So as it relates to modest is hottest, oh, this was my like, favorite meme that I saw this week that captures maybe the only guy who thinks modest is hottest, and it, it's this meme. It's just one of those like, boom, oh, man, that's hot, woo! That ankle. Other than this guy, and maybe your grandma, modest definitely is not hottest, but it is better. But first, we got to unpack what is modesty, and I want to unpack first what it isn't. What modesty isn't, just before we dive in, then we're going to look at three reasons why it's better. Three myths about modesty. Number one, it's simply a woman's problem. It's just not true. Some of the most unaware people as it relates to being immodest and how they dress and what they're doing with their body and just how, what they post are often guys. It's not that it's not a woman's problem. It's all of our problems. It's something that the Bible commands all of us to be about, but it's not just a woman's problem. That's myth number one. Myth number two, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I wear. I can wear whatever I want. That's true unless you are a follower of Christ. Because as we're going to see, it's a really big deal to God that he cares a lot about your heart and he cares about how that heart leads you to dress. Myth number three, being modest is about being a prude. The truth is that no, it's not. God is all about sex. He's all about immodesty and an appropriate boundary called marriage, where the two are naked, without shame, altogether. That God is not a prude. God's not against sex. He's all about sex. He invented sex. We did an entire series called Rated R for Romance, one of my favorite series we did. It was on the book of Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon was a book that was so scandalous that until you were 30 years old, Jewish boys could not read it because of the sexual content. Think about that. In other words, they were sneaking in to read some of the Bible as a young boy, as a teenager, hoping to not get caught with a lamp and like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. That's Song of Solomon. God's all about it. In Proverbs chapter 5, it says this, let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. It's talking about sex. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She's a loving dear. Let her breasts always satisfy you. May you always be intoxicated or captivated by your love. God is all about amazing sex in the context of marriage. It's not because he's approved. Myth number four, modesty is about your clothes. As we're going to see, modesty is about your heart. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9, Paul says this, I want women, you can say, apply the same thing to men, to dress modestly with decency and propriety. Propriety is not a word that we use often. It just means with appropriate dress or appropriate clothing, adorning themselves, not with elaborate hairstyles, gold, pearls, expensive clothes, but with good deeds, appropriate for those women who profess God. What is he saying? God's against hairstyle? No. In this day and age, this was written to Timothy, who was inside of the city of Ephesus. Ephesus was a city that 
Oftentimes, women would put all kinds of things and flashy things in their hair in order to attract the attention of other men. It's also where the temple of Aphrodite was. And so it was a very sexually promiscuous uh, city and environment. And Paul's not saying God's against those things. He's saying, let your true beauty come from inside. May you be adorned with a modesty of the heart. It's not just about your clothes. It all comes down to the heart behind what you wear. He says, may they be marked with good deeds. Focus not just on good looks, but on good Work. So here's the biblical definition of modesty. Modesty means dressing in a way that reveals godliness and humility of the heart. It doesn't mean being frumpy. doesn't mean being unstylish. You'd be on trend and all of that and still honor God with how you dress yourself. But modesty is a matter of the heart. One of the reasons it's further challenging and it is a matter of the heart is what it looks like to be modest in different cultures looks different. If you go to different areas in remote parts of third world countries today, they would not be described in our culture as modest. You go to different time periods throughout history, and 100 years ago, what's totally appropriate today would not be appropriate. You guys know what this is? This is a bikini. I know you guys have probably never seen one of these before. There's a lot of awkward laughter just now. The bikini was invented in 1946 by a guy named Louis Reard. He was a French guy. It's always the French, man. <laughs> he invents this thing, and he named it Bikini. You know why? Because at that time, in 1946, there was an island off of West New Guinea. It was an island that America occupied that had done all types of testing for nuclear atomic bombs. And on that island was where they were testing these atomic bombs. And Reard said, this invention that I've come up with, this two-piece of clothing, will be an atomic bomb throughout culture and fashion. And it was. Reard was famous for saying that he came up with an invention, a two-piece bathing, two bathing suit that reveals everything about a girl except her mother's maiden name. It was so scandalous at the time. To us, it's not scandalous at all. It was so scandalous at the time that Spain, Italy, and America outlawed it. In other words, that teeny weeny itsy bitsy yellow dot poke, yellow polka dot bikini you heard this song before? That's about a girl who won't come out of the water because she's afraid she's going to be seen. Because if you got seen, you would be dismissed or not able to swim at the beach. It was scandalous. And then the sexual revolution took place, and we have all been so desensitized. I don't know if you guys like hot tubs. One thing happens anytime you get in a hot tub. This just took a weird turn. We got bikinis, hot tubs. <laughs> You know what happens when you get in? It's like 103 degrees, feels great, this is awesome. 10 minutes in, what? <laughs> You're sweaty, yeah, that's true. <laughs> You're like, it's not hot. You're kind of like, oh man, because you want the hot tub to just bring it just a little bit on you, and whenever you get used to it, it's not as hot. And it's not because the temperature changed. It's because you got desensitized to it. The same thing has happened as it relates to modesty for all of us, and really as a culture. So our cue doesn't come from culture, and what the world says around us is the appropriate standard of modesty. It comes from what God's word says, and it comes down to a question and a matter of the heart. Why am I wearing what I'm wearing? Is what I'm wearing honoring to God? So modesty, first and foremost, is a matter of the heart. It is choosing to reflect through my dress godliness and humility that exists inside of my heart. Because Christ has changed my heart, it often leads to me changing my clothes. So here's three reasons why that type of modesty at a heart level 
where you begin to evaluate, hey, is what I'm wearing honoring to God or not? Begin to evaluate, why would I wear this? Why would I post this picture? Three reasons why modesty is better. First one is huge. Because modesty attracts the right people. Modesty attracts the right people or attracts the right person. Most of us in the room would say we're single and we are interested likely and hopefully not being single forever. And if you in this stage want to make sure that you attract the right person along, directly related to that is how you dress. Because how you dress is gonna determine who you attract. It's not dissimilar to this. I don't know if we got any fishermen in the room. There we go. Man, represent, bro. This is a bunch of tackle and fishing stuff. Depending, if you know anything about fishing, like this guy does, you would go fishing, and depending on what type of bait you use will determine what you're going to catch. So if you're going to use, you know, live worms or stink bait or something like that, you're going to catch catfish. If you want to catch a bass, you're going to use something that looks closer to something like this. And I just, now I'm bleeding. Poke myself with a hook. You're going to use something more like this. If you want to attract a striper or some other, I don't really fish, so, so whatever you're going to attract, it just determines what you're going to catch. Every fisherman knows whatever you use as bait determines what you're going to catch because there's certain fish that they're not going to be appealed to by this. They're not going to bite on that. And then there's other ones that are, but they wouldn't be appealed to by this. As it relates to what culture tells us when it comes to modesty or really when it comes to attracting someone, the message is that you use your body as bait. You use how you dress. You shake what your mama gave you. You dress in a certain way that shows off your lady humps. You, you put your biceps out there and you show the girls where it's at. Here's the danger in that. Whatever you use as bait is going to determine what you catch. If you want to catch a bass, use those things. You want to catch a dumb bass, you use your body. I'm just talking about fish, man. If you want to catch somebody who is a body snatcher, that they want you for your body, then you should use your body. You should post, post more yoga pics of you doing yoga. You should post more pictures of you in crop tops in those biker shorts. You should be more seductive. You should do everything you can out in public or out right now. And this is not meant to put shame. I'm, saying, I'm literally just giving you advice. If you want to catch somebody that wants you for your body, then you should go full send in that direction. But if you want to catch a godly guy or a godly girl, let me give you the honest facts. You come in and you're wearing, you know, Beyonce Super Bowl outfit from two years ago. Every guy in the room is going to think you're attractive. Godly guys will not be attracted to you. They may struggle with lustful thoughts about you, but they will not be attracted to you because a godly guy does what? A godly guy is attracted to the things that God is attracted to, just like a godly girl is attracted to the things that God is attracted to. What is God attracted to? In 1 Samuel chapter 16, it says this. Do not look at the outward appearance, for the Lord does not see as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at what's inside of a person. That's what makes them attractive, their heart, their character. This is what a godly guy looks for. And when I say, hey, godly guys, you're gonna, if you come dressed in that way, you're going to catch the attention of men who are like, wow. But the people who are going to be drawn in and bite onto that bait 
are not gonna be the godly men that you want or the godly women that you want. They're gonna be people who want you for your body. You know the danger if you catch a guy from your body? Or catch a guy for your body, you catch for your boobs, catch from your leg gap. You will lose him for someone else with better boobs, better leg gap, better butt, more fit, younger. Because you caught a body snatcher. That's what you did. You baited, you used the bait. I'm going to catch somebody that doesn't care about what's on the inside like God does. He cares about what's on the outside. So the moment he finds something better on the outside, he's moving on. And God, and I, I think most of us at your heart of hearts, you don't want to be somebody who just attracts somebody based on the superficial characteristics. That's why you ended up gotten, got a man. The danger further is that, and this is where, like, Ken, my heart breaks for the women in the room. As a dad of a daughter, my heart on this issue has only become more concerned and more heartbroken of all the different temptations, the things that, candidly, the women in this room and men have challenges, temptations as well. But from an early age, all the different messages about what's beautiful and what you need to look like and how you should be thinner and how you should be skinnier and how you should physically display yourself and nuance and show off your curves and show off different accentuate parts of your body and how dangerous that is if that's at the centerpiece of your relationship, if that's ultimately the reason why you attracted that person. Specifically for women because... Do you know the standard of beauty for men and women as they age varies dramatically? In, in other words, the average age of what a woman when she's 22 is attracted to and a woman when she's 42 and attracted to and 52 and attracted to is very, very different than what a man when he's 25 and attracted to, 35 and attracted to, 45 and attracted to the average man. In fact, let me show you. Here's the chart of a woman, a woman's average age of attraction. So this is, if you're 22 on the left, all those numbers represent the age of the woman. So if she's 26, she's attracted to 27-year-old on average. She's 29, 29-year-old, 33, 32-year-old. 39, 38-year-old, 44, she gets a little crazy, goes for the 40-year-old, 50, 46. It just, generally speaking, follows. That's why your mom is like, oh my gosh, George Clooney. Oh, George, George. But most of you girls would be like, oh man, Sean Mendez is way more attractive than he is. Let me show you the male chart. Boom! <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's pretty shocking. Here's why this really matters. One, it shows how much more shallow guys are. Number two, the average guy, if you attract and bait with the average guy, or even the average girl out there, you wanna find somebody who doesn't just love you for your physical characteristics or attraction, but that you can take that down. <laughs> but they are attracted to your character, like God is. God says that you and I are to look for other people or spouses of noble character. Because unlike beauty, all of that is going away. Gravity wins on everybody. Nobody beats gravity. Even, even the 57-year-old who's Botoxed to the roof doesn't beat gravity. She just looks like she can't stop smiling. <laughs> and so you want to make sure in this stage of life, next to who you're going to worship as your God, who is gonna be your master in life? Who's gonna be your mate that you run with is one of the most important decisions you make. And you wanna make sure that it's not a relationship that's built, that starts, that's initiated by you baiting with your body. Second reason 
why modesty is not hottest, but it's better, is modesty reveals your dignity. It says something about you when you decide, I'm going to dress modestly, like I'm aware, I'm thoughtful, I'm not frumpy, I'm not ugly, I'm not unstylish, I'm classy. I reveal my dignity. First Peter chapter 3 says this, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles, wearing of gold jewelry, fine clothes. Not that those things are a problem. That's just not where you should find your beauty, your worth. Rather, it should come from your inner self, from the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. It should come from inside. This is the way holy women of the past put their hope in God, used to dress or adorn themselves. Let me read that verse in ESV. It's another translation. It says, let your adorning come from the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in God's spirit. That you are a person. You don't dress in order to accentuate a part of your body. You're so much more than a body part. You're a person. You're made in the image of God. You have no idea how of a measurable worth you are. And accentuating your butt, your boobs, your biceps, any of that stuff in order to get the attention of a person belittles you down to a handful of parts. You're a person. And Peter says your beauty should reveal, or modesty reveals the dignity that you have. For those of us who believe this, especially as a child of God, of the King. Maybe the best way of putting modesty is modesty is not about hiding your body. That's typically what people think. It is about revealing your dignity. Modesty is not about hiding your body, covering up. It is about revealing your dignity. That you're a person. You're not a part or some parts or an object to be used. There was a Princeton study that was done that Guardian wrote about where it basically says this. It, it links to the fact that there's an association that happens, and this is really important, girls, and this is science saying something happens when a person is seen in either an outfit or scantily clad or is immodest, and here's what they wrote. This is from Princeton University. In a Princeton study, male students were shown images of women they did not know that were scantily clad. Underwear, midriff, bikini, Brain scans were done as they saw them that revealed when looking at the pictures, the section of the male brain that responds to tools like hammers and wrenches lit up. Scans of some of the men found that a part of the brain associated with empathy or concern for other people's emotions went completely dark after looking at the pictures. The lack of activation, Susan Fisk, the psychologist at Princeton, in this area is really odd because it hardly ever happens. It's as if they are reacting to women as though they are not fully human. It's consistent with the idea that they're responding to these photographs as if they were responding to objects, not people. What is it, what's the Princeton study saying? It's saying, hey, when we show these pictures of images of women and they were not fully clothed in all the way that would be modest, it activated something in the male brain and it shut something else down where it began to see the person they were looking at not as a person but as an object to use. There's a really tragic movement right now that 
has attached itself to some really positive things like women's empowerment and go women, which we are all about. God made you uniquely, you beautifully in the image of God. You are a queen, sister. (laughs) But it has attached itself to a freedom. You can't tell me what to do. My body, my choice. You don't have any right. I'm going to do whatever I want, dress however I want. I'll go out naked if I want to, which is ironically, in an ironic twist, under the name of power, that I can do whatever I want. It's exercising power. But the power Princeton University says, after studying, that power is to shut down a male's ability to see you as a person and become an object. Ironically, the exact opposite of what would actually empower women, that I'm, I'm more than just some breasts in a body, I'm a person. And our culture rages on about, man, you should do whatever you want, dress however you want. It is empowering to see Beyonce get up and do what she does. It is empowering to see Cardi B get up and do that. It's powerful in all the most destructive ways. Modesty reveals your dignity. To those in the room, that you, I know there's part of us, candidly, Honestly, when you hear about like, oh man, a scene as an object, lusted after, there's something in you that's like, I kind of want that. I just want you to ask the question, why? Am I telling you that what you wear and you can't wear something? No, I'm saying you're so much bigger than what you wear. You're a person. You have dignity. You're made in the image of God. And maybe you're trying to fill some hole because you didn't have a strong father figure that was around in your life. You didn't have somebody that called you beautiful. So there's something inside of you that just craves you know, the attention because it makes you feel beautiful. And it's leading you to look for affirmation that candidly you can feed and you can post pictures. You can go on Instagram today, post the whole butt picture, do whatever you want. And you know what you're going to get? You're going to get attention from men. You're going to get that itch scratched, but that itch isn't going away. It's going to come back and come back and lead to cycles of insecurity and need for approval and need for attention, all in the name of trying to fill some void, some emptiness. And the guy who's going to give that attention, he doesn't care about you. What's going on in his brain right there is object to use, object to use, object to use. You are so much more valuable than that. A friend of mine, was, he's a graphic designer, and he was starting kind of a side. He works full-time as a graphic designer, and he was starting his own private company. And we went to lunch, and I was catching up with him. And I asked him how stuff was going, and he had just started it. And I asked him, what do you charge? Like, what do you charge per hour? And it, what he charged was like so low. I was like, dude, you're worth so much more than that. You, you totally need to charge more than that. People, one, will pay it. And two, you are worth way more than what you're charging per hour to do graphic design for things. Don't sell yourself short. To every person in the room who is using their body, giving themselves away, putting themselves out there, trying to get attention, you are worth so much more than that. You're worth so much more than the fleeting attention of some dumbass guys that, yeah, they'll give it to you and they want to see it. Thank you. <laughs> you are worth the very life of Jesus on the cross. And everything that I'm saying may not be enough, and I just want you to examine your heart and ask yourself, because remember, modesty is a matter of the heart. 
Why? And maybe the most godly thing you could do tonight is go, it's not enough. I'm not enough. I find who I am and what other people think about me. I find who I am and what other people say about how I look. I find who I am in getting attention from people, girls and guys. And that would be the most positive step you could take. Because you can't change and you can't face, or you can't fight what you're not willing to face. So second reason is it reveals your dignity. And reason number three, the reason modesty is better is because of who it attracts. It attracts the right people. Reason number two, and that it reveals your dignity, and that modesty, number three, honors God by serving others. Modesty honors God by serving other people. You may not know this and be aware, but the Bible says that you and I, if you're a Christian, this is only to Christians, by the way, there is something far more important if you're not a follower of Jesus that you understand and that you learn than how you dress and whatever you came in. But as it relates to Christians, the Bible says that you and I are connected and to be aware and to be thoughtful about how we interact and how our actions impact other people around us. In 1 Corinthians 8, it says this, be careful, this is 1 Corinthians 8, verse 8, that the exercise of your rights, hey, I'm free, I can do anything, nobody can tell me what to do. Be careful that that exercise of rights does not become a stumbling block or cause other people to stumble, to sin. Stumbling block to the weak. One of the ways that modesty and dressing modestly and being thoughtful about why am I wearing what I'm wearing? Is what I'm wearing honoring to God? What is what I'm wearing communicating? Is that it serves other people around us. How does it serve other people? Honestly, it serves both sexes here. We live in this weird environment and culture where social media makes everything this constant comparison game. And one thing that we as Christians to do is not feed into it, where I'm gonna make sure that I'm not putting a thirst trap out there for other people to post on and tag on and and you're going to get comments from people that are going to be positive, like, oh, man, that body, though. But it is feeding into this comparison, insecurity, constantly evaluating and comparing myself. And then, you know, I, I need to go home and make sure that I post this picture of me on the beach with my girls from up top. And it's not serving other people. And one way that you and I can say, I'm just not going to feed into that. I'm not going to be doing TikTok videos in my underwear, running around, trying to get attention from people. That's a thing, okay? I think it's a thing. I don't know, honestly, but <laughs> if it is a thing, if it's your thing, it may be worth evaluating. But one way it does is it serves others. It serves the opposite sex by not being a stumbling block. And this is really, really tender, so let me try to be as careful as I can because it can be really challenging. A lot of times when this comes up, it's like, hey, it ain't my problem if he lusting over this, okay? I could wear a burlap sack and he'd be like, oh, girl, where you get that burlap from? It's not, that's his problem. He'd be in an astronaut suit and he'd be like, hey, girl, where you at, astronaut? <laughs> Fact, that is correct. That is his problem. That is somebody's sin and the decision to give in to that sexual temptation or to lust after somebody else, that is their own problem. We talk a lot about that issue all around here. But the Bible says that you and I are to be thoughtful to not put a stumbling block in front of somebody else. To not put a stumbling block in front of a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ. The decisions that we wear and the response of, hey, well, it's my body. I can do whatever I want with it. That is right, unless you're a Christian. 
First Corinthians chapter six says this about the idea of whose body it is. You were not your own. You were bought at a price. That price was Jesus on the cross. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. You remember Cain and Abel? One of the very first sins of humanity was a story, Cain and Abel, Genesis chapter four, early in the game, straight out the gate. First two kids on the planet. Things didn't go well because 10 minutes in, Cain kills Abel. God shows up to Cain, says, where's your brother? And Cain says, what, am I my brother's keeper? And the response was, yes. You have a responsibility, and I have a responsibility. So it's inside of our life. So one of the ways that modesty is better is that it serves God and honors other people around us. I think one of the challenges of this issue is, candidly, just to, to be really real, when sin entered the world, everything fractured. Every person in this room, every person who's ever lived, has a sin nature. Things are not as they're supposed to be. Our thoughts are not as they're supposed to be. Our heart is not as it's supposed to be. Because we have something called a sin nature, which means sin comes naturally to us. That's what happened when sin entered the world. The male brain, as it relates to lust, and I'm, I'm sharing this not to create anything other than a better understanding where I think there is a bit of a gap. As it relates to a woman, when you walk in the room and you're wearing your workout clothes and there's a midriff and you think, oh my gosh, matching, so cute. He's not thinking that. He's thinking, uh, if he's a godly guy, he's thinking, oh my gosh, I do not want to look at that. I do not want to look at that. I do not want to look at that because I'm going to picture her naked and part of me will think through or could lead to thoughts of having sex with her. It just is easy to go there. I was talking with, with some of our team earlier today, and um, you know, we had, I was mentioning uh, the bikini thing where, honestly, this further is just like confusing and breaking my heart, where on the label it's like something cheeky about like the level of cheekiness. And I was like, there's levels of cheekiness? And this led to, uh, oh yeah, I went to the store and there was a mannequin display of like cheekiness levels, what would go through. And one of the other guys responding to this guy saying that was like, dude, you should be looking at those mannequins like that. If you're a girl in the room, you're thinking, what is wrong? It's a mannequin. If you're a guy, you're like, yeah, I got that. Get that. Yep. I connect those dots. There's just something when sin entered that broke and it's not right. And godly men fight it, surrender to the spirit. They pursue purity and they prioritize intimacy and sex inside of the context of marriage. But you have to understand the visual aspect of men partly in order to just love your brother and understand it and know that they live in, a, here's what you don't know about men. We live in a world where pornography for most of us was introduced, at least for me, at age 12. It was introduced at such a young age and that brokenness gets attached to it. We live in a world where we can't drive around and you know all that visualness and you're like, yeah, I like visual too. It's not the same for most. Psychological studies even show the sexual drive of men and women is very, very different. I don't have time to go into all of that right now. But you live in a world where every man around you, the ability to have a woman in lingerie in the moment that he sees her, be the very first time that he's ever seen her, be their wedding night, was taken from him. He can't drive down the street or drive down the road without seeing a billboard with that. He can't watch the Super Bowl without seeing Janet Jackson's exposed. 
all of that was taken. Same thing was taken away from women in this room. I mean, imagine a world where the very first time you ever saw someone naked of the opposite sex was your wedding night. Not even like, you never saw a bikini, you never saw laundry, anything. Be And that's sin entered the world and it's fractured everything. And as Christians, we can either decide that, you know, we're going to feed into it and contribute it and be okay with it and go along with it. Or we can say, I am worth so much more than my body. I'm a person. I'm not going to feed into that. I don't need that to feed inside of me and the parts of me that candidly, I, I kind of do want it to feed, you know, and I want to feel attracted and desired. I want to surrender those to God, confess those to people around me because I'm going to honor God by serving other people around me. Other people, and if you're listening, this isn't just about guys and it's not about girls because guys can be just as guilty and just as unaware of walking around with your shirt off or posting a picture shirtless with sunglasses being like, check out my new sunglasses. And it's like, bro, <laughs> you're a thirst trap, man. You're a thirst trap. This is exactly what you're doing. But Christians, the command that Jesus said would be the criteria or the quality that would mark us, this is how you'll know you're my followers. John 13 said, by this one thing, the whole world will know that you're my followers, that you love one another. In Romans chapter 13, I'm about to end the, land the plane. Paul wrote something that I think is such a beautiful way of putting it, where he, he talks about how Christians should interact with each other. And here's what he says. Romans 13, verse seven. Let no debt remain outstanding. In other words, pay off every debt. Accept the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, shall not murder, shall not steal, covet. Whatever other command you could find are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. As we wrap up, I just want you to think about why do you wear what you wear when you get dressed tomorrow? About why am I going to wear what I wear? Why am I posting what I'm posting? Is it to draw attention to myself? Is it to draw attention or to get some affirmation that I just feel like there's such a hole? Or is it to honor God? To reveal my dignity, whose I am and who I am. In conclusion, modest isn't hottest. It's holy and it's better because it attracts the right people. It reveals your dignity and it honors God by serving other people around you. There's a show my wife and I have been watching called The Crown. And it's a, it's like, it's a show about the British royal family and it's, it's a fascinating kind of show because Queen Elizabeth, who's a queen right now, has been queen for like 10,000 years. And <laughs> it goes all the way back to when she was a high schooler, or yeah, high schooler, and it goes up through today, essentially, or it will. Inside of the royal family, it's really interesting because um, one of the designations, I didn't realize this, but you know every member of the royal family has a crown? In other words, when you go to a wedding, you go to a banquet, you go to a state event, one of the ways that you can know this person is a royal, this person is not, is they have a crown. Based on what they wear, you know who they are. Based on what they wear, you can just see if they're a royal. What's further interesting about the royal family is it's all pretend. I, I know we think like, no, it's not. Like, Harry, they just had a baby. Yeah, it's all pretend. 
They don't have any authority. They're mascots. They don't have any legislative law. They don't even have any ability to, hey, you know what? We're changing this whole thing. Parliament, you're done. They're mascots. They're all based on the opinion of people assuming like, oh, you're a royal. It's pretend. And all these ancient etiquettes and all that stuff, it's cool. And it's, it's um, you know, in some ways kind of historically poetic, but it, it's pretend. There's nothing special about the royal blood. In fact, the family's not even English. They changed their name to the House of Windsor from Saxe-Gotha because it sounded too German in the war. And they were like, German's not a great look right now. Let's change it. You want it from the blood of the English heritage. It's this pretend. You know what's not pretend or infinitely more true? If you were a Christian, this is not cliche. You are a daughter of God. You are a son of the King of Kings. The royal blood of Christ has both covered you and the DNA of God Almighty runs through your spiritual veins. You are part and have been adopted into the family of God. There is no title. There is no job. There is no honor you could hold that will be higher than that. Unlike a pretend king of England, you are a royal. And you could tell what a royal is by what they wear. In Galatians chapter 4, it says this, At the right time, God sent his son, born of a woman, and Jesus came to buy freedom for those of us who are slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we're God's children, he sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, calling us to cry out, Abba, which means dad, father. And now you're no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you're his child, he's made you an heir. So often we post things because we want to be wanted, we want to be chosen, we wear things because we want attention, we want to be chosen, we want to be wanted. And the truth behind that lie is you already have been. If you are a follower of Christ, you have been chosen. I've got a two and a half year old daughter. Here's a picture of her from today. Her and her mom went picking berries. She's the best. She's about to be three. We call her, her name's Monroe. She's a firecracker. We call her Momo. And she is going to be a handful for the rest of her life. Already, she's obsessed with shoes, with pink, with clothes. Like, I mean, the girl has some opinions. <laughs> Here's what I want for her so desperately. I want her to know that no matter what she does in life, no matter what she looks like, who she marries, who she dates, that she is of such extraordinary value of incredible dignity because she was made in the image of God. She was so valuable to God that he would give his life on the cross for her, that he would go to that cross and he would pay for every sin that she's ever committed, everything that she will ever do, and die in her place. She has been chosen. And that in accepting that, she's adopted into the royal family of God, the only royal family there is. And she doesn't need to look to men and my heart breaks because I know that I can't protect her from all the temptations and all the different lies and all the different identity problems and all the different insecurities that are going to come for her. But I pray that when she does, she will do what you do, which is cling to because of what Christ did. I am a daughter of the king. I am chosen. I'm forgiven. I'm not going to settle for any man who treats me less than that. How long are you going to give yourself over to guys who are jerks? They want you for your body. 
They want you for sex. Or girls, on the flip side, guys, how long are you gonna give yourself over to settling for somebody who doesn't have the characteristics of a godly woman? You are worth so much more than that. And I hope she knows, modest isn't hottest, it is holy and it is better and it leads to life. Let me pray. Father, I do pray for protection. I just, I wanna pray for every person in this room who they feel like they are damaged goods. They feel like their value comes from how they look. They've been told messages, maybe from people who said they were Christians, maybe from parents who said, you know, you really need to cut back on what you eat or you shouldn't look this way, you need to change. I pray that you would be louder right now. Would you bury into our minds the truth that we, through Christ, we are children of God Almighty. We are a part of the only royal line there is and ever will be. And we would live and carry ourselves as such. We wouldn't settle, we wouldn't allow, we wouldn't tolerate being treated as such or living as anything less than that. I pray for every girl in this room who fights thousands of lies that I may not even be aware of. I probably never will fully understand that you would fill them with strength, clothe them with strength and honor, like you say in the Proverbs, and they would be godly, God-fearing women who end up marrying godly, God-fearing husbands and be godly parents together. And we would raise up a generation who doesn't find our worth and how we look, but in who we worship. We worship you in song. Amen.